Hello and welcome back to the Film Journal podcast. I'm Emily and today we're going to be talking about The Shawshank Redemption. It was released in 1994 and directed by Frank Darabont. It stars Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. It was originally a book by Stephen King and was later developed into the movie. This is such a good film. If you're yet to watch it, you have to. It's like a medicine when you're feeling down or hopeless or if you're just uninspired. So basically, the life lesson here is that hope must never be lost. So it is a prison drama and out of all the prison dramas, it's definitely one you have to watch because I know a lot of people don't like these kinds of films, but it is so worth the watch and it is just one of a kind. You wouldn't find anything like it anywhere else. And I promise it will interest you even if you're not into prison dramas. So I'm not even going to explain anything else about it, just if you're at this point and you haven't watched it yet, go and watch it. And don't listen any further if you don't want any spoilers. Also just a PS, today's episode is kind of short because I've been super busy this week trying to prepare for uni. Um, So yeah, sorry about that. So now I'm just going to give everyone a reminder about the plot line in case you've forgotten anything. So it starts off with Andy, who is our protagonist, and he has just been convicted of killing his wife and her lover and is sentenced to two life sentences at the Shawshank prison. Andy befriends Red when he asks him for a rock hammer and he also gets a poster of Rita Hayworth. Andy is assigned to work in the laundry room of the prison and is sexually assaulted multiple times by a group that go by the sisters. Andy was a banker and when he overhears a guard talk about being taxed on his inheritance, he offers to help him and shelter the money in a legal way. Andy then gets hospitalised when another assault takes place by the sisters. The main perpetrator then gets beaten up by a guard and is sent to another prison, rightfully so. Um, The warden then meets Andy and assigns him to the library. But this is just a front to disguise what Andy is going to be really doing, which is helping the prison staff and the warden with like financial situations. Andy writes weekly letters to the state legislator to get some more funds to improve the state of the library. They get sent a library donation and then they do up the whole library. And then out of one of the new books they got, Andy reads a passage from one of the books onto the intercom. Because of this, he gets put in solitary confinement And when he gets out, he explains hope is the only thing that got him through. It's now that we see the warden using prison labour outside of the prison, which cuts on costs for him. And he's also starting to receive bribes. And then Andy launders the money under the alias Randall Stevens. It's at this point we then meet Tommy Williams, who is incarcerated for a burglary. Andy and Red befriend him and Andy helps him to pass an exam. A year passes and then Tommy brings up his cellmate from a different prison who claimed responsibility for the murder that Andy was convicted of. Andy goes to the warden with this information, but he refuses to listen. Andy mentions the money laundering and the warden then sends him into solitary confinement for bringing this up. The warden then gets a guard to murder Tommy and then puts it off as an escape attempt. And then Andy tries to refuse to carry on the laundering, but when the warden threatens to remove the library and remove all of Andy's protection, he gives in and carries on doing it. Two months go by in confinement until Andy is released. When he's out, he tells Red of his dreams to go live in a Mexican coastal town. Andy tells him specifically about a hayfield near Buxton. 
He asks Red to receive a package there once he is released. Red worries about Andy's well-being when he finds out that Andy asked another inmate for six feet in rope. The next morning at roll call, the guards find Andy's cell empty. They have no clue how he escaped. The angry warden throws one of Andy's rocks at a poster on his wall, and it falls through the poster, and then it reveals a tunnel that Andy dug using his rock hammer that Red got him originally at the start, and it was done over 19 years. Andy used the rope to escape through the tunnel and out through the sewage pipe, which is gross, may I add. He stole one of the warden's suits and also a pair of his shoes, which he usually buffs and prepares for the morning the next day. And he also took the ledger, which was containing all their financial accounts and stuff, which he then later turns in. Andy poses as Randall Stevens and withdraws $370,000, which in this day is about the equivalent of $2.9 This is laundered money and was in several banks. He mails the ledger and other evidence of the corruption of the prison and also the murders to a local newspaper. Police then arrive at Shawshank and take one of the prison officers into custody, but before they can get to the warden, he commits suicide to avoid arrest. Next year, Red is paroled. He struggles to adapt to life outside of prison. Remembering his promise to Andy, he visits Buxton and finds a box containing money and a letter asking Red to come to the town Andy's in. Red violates his parole to travel to Mexico. And before, Red never believed in hope, but by the end, this is when he finally realised he now did. The two then reunite on the beach. This is like the movie to end all movies. I don't think I've met one person that doesn't like this film. It's like a warm hug. Andy is in the spotlight and we're pointed towards following his ways, which is never to give up hope. Although the story is about Andy, we see it through others' eyes, mainly Red, as he's the one narrating, but also through the warden and people like Brooks, the librarian. The film is timeless because the message will never die. When a message of hope is displayed in a film, people latch onto it and grasp at the opportunity. The film isn't about proving the wrongfully accused. At first, we don't even know if he's innocent. The film isn't about Andy being a hero. It's about us learning to hope, like Red does, that things can get better. What stands out about this prison film compared to others is Andy's undying hope. So I think what highlighted this even more was that the script and the camera never really lingered on Andy when he was in an unhopeful situation, when he was feeling down. It would just kind of swiftly deal with the situation and then move on because... This is kind of how Andy would handle that situation. He would deal with it, but his hope would pull him through and that's what made him carry on. So when the film first came out, it didn't actually do that well. This was because it was running for over two hours and it was a prison drama and it had, you know, the word redemption in it. And that just sounds kind of like a long, tiring film that you really have to focus on to watch, I think. Um, so it actually became more popular when it was released on DVD and the sales just started skyrocketing by word of mouth, which is what this film relied on really, rather than the trailer and the name. It just doesn't pop to some people, but when you hear people talking so positively about it, that has got it how big it is today. Morgan Freeman's narration adds majorly to the thought-provoking, hopeful film. 
His character has a lot of insight and questions about the prison and Andy, but has also lost hope, which we see return to him by the end of the film as his freedom is truly found when he's going to see Andy once again. I think this is what people latch on to so much about this film is that hope can be found even in the darkest of places. Gosh, is that from Harry Potter? I didn't even mean to do that, but there you go. Um, Yeah, it just shows that even if you've lost hope, it can come back and it is always there. And I think Andy is a beam of light for that message. He just really does show that. So Tim Robbins portrayed Andy perfectly in this role. He was quiet and reserved, which just made Andy even more mysterious and interesting, as we're already looking at him from an outsider's point of view. Andy is our redeemer. Through the eyes of Red, the redemption comes from learning from Andy, which forms their strong bond as friends. There's only one time we actually see Andy lose hope and fall into this pessimism, and this is when the warden destroys the evidence of his innocence. We're then led to believe that Andy is suicidal because he asks an inmate for a long piece of rope. By the next morning on roll call, everyone's sort of wondering if when Andy doesn't come out of his cell, everyone's wondering if he's dead in his room, but then they go in and they find that he's disappeared. This escape from the prison isn't just a normal escape, because that would make it way too similar to other prison dramas. It mimics a rebirth. Andy comes out of the other side with a new identity and is prepared to lead the life he's been waiting for. There's an analogy that says that the poster of Raquel, I think, it was like a metaphor for a mother's room because like her torso is in it. So when like Andy climbed through that hole and then came out on the other side, it was like a more literal term to the rebirth, I guess. The film is also very visually appealing and easy to watch. Through the cinematography and editing, it's noticeable that in a way the shots kind of just follow with the dialogue and act in response to the actors in the speech, rather than just block editing where the angle changes every time someone new talks. What was also different about the prison film was that unlike others, it wasn't all about the escape. Although some of us had our suspicions that it was going to happen, the focus was actually on what comfort the men found behind the walls. It wasn't about getting their freedom from prison, it had become their home. Brooks was so desperate to stay he even attempted to kill an inmate when he was about to be put out into parole. We even see Red struggle with it for a long time when he gets onto parole because he's just not used to the surroundings and how much things have changed. Also prison life is just so different to the outside world, I think that it can be quite daunting for people that have been in prison for such a long time. But in the end, Red feels redeemed from Andy's escape, knowing he is out there alive, living freely, and it gives him the hope he needs for the outside world, and even to see Andy again. Red's mind changes, he realises there is life outside of prison for him. This week I've got a collection of some reviews from you guys, which I'm going to read. But first off, I'm just going to give this film a straight up 5 out of 5. I mean, it's timeless and it's just all round good filmmaking and so hopeful. I wanted to be able to say more about this podcast, but I've got to keep them short and sweet at the moment because I've got lots to prepare for. Anyway, I got a lot of comments saying that it was the greatest film of all time and that it changed their lives, which is 100% agreeable. It kind of just does. It gives you a whole new outlook that is really nice to use and apply into your life as well. 
Someone else said it is one of the greatest ever and even though it is well known, it's underappreciated, which I can kind of see. I think a lot of people just watch it and then, you know, move on with their lives. They're like, oh yeah, that was good. Okay, I'm going to carry on now. But I think it's nice to actually give this film a lot of thought and let it like, you know, provoke your mind and think about things. Another one said it is the best film they've ever seen and the rain scene and the scene where Andy is driving along uh, with the roof off on the car is top tier cinema, which again I agree with. Um, they are both beautiful scenes, especially the rain scene, it's iconic and it just shows all the hope that Andy's been holding on to was worth it when he's finally free and the relief and all of it was just great. <laughs> Someone else said that Tim Robbins was so fine and they don't care what anyone says, which, you know, you do you. Yeah. So on IMDb, this is literally the highest rated film. Um, even over The Godfather, it got 9.3 out of 10, which is really good. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has 90% with an audience score of 98%. So basically all the reviews just go to show that this is top tier filmmaking and it's just incredible, really. So if you are still listening to this podcast and you haven't watched it yet, go watch it, even though I just spoil it all. Still worth it. Thanks for listening this week. Again, sorry it was a bit of a short one this week. I've just been super busy trying to sort some things out. I'll be back again next Sunday with another episode. Okay, thanks guys. Have a good week.